can, you know, through Aboriginal ways, just reach out to some of our mob. Working with the wider non-Aboriginal community and working with our own community together allows us to start eating. In the past, you know, people know who they are and that type of thing, but there hasn't been something there to bring everything together, to bring people together, and Native Title has done that. Welcome to Aboriginal Way Radio, produced by South Australian Native Title Services. I'm your host, Joy Lothian, and I'd like to begin by acknowledging that we're broadcasting today from Radio Adelaide on Ghana land, so I'd like to pay my respects to Ghana elders past, present and emerging. Each episode, we share First Nations stories and Native Title news from across South Australia. The dingo is often regarded as a pest at least to farmers, but it is also a significant living feature in First Nations culture and important within the Australian ecological system. Wild Dog is the first artistic outcome of a multi-year cultural maintenance and revival project that will connect the dingo story from Ghana and Narunga country in South Australia to Lardil country in Mornington Island off the coast of the Gulf of Carpentaria in Queensland including cultural links stretching to the wild dog story for the Bunnan people in Taiwan. Ghana Narunga artist Jacob Boehm has conceived and artistically directed this project to preserve and maintain the wild dog story. Works from more than 50 artists connect to that theme. So Jacob, welcome to Aboriginal Way. I hope I've got all of that right. Can you tell us a little bit about the cultural importance of the dingo? Well, the dingo is important to uh, First Nations cultures across the country for several different reasons. Um, A lot of the time you will find dingo dreaming or dingo stories that are associated with naming of landscape. The dingo will be associated with uh, formalising kinship systems, totemic and moody systems. And then, you know, more specifically and more practically for us, even on Narunga country around the York Peninsula, with our Gudley um, dreaming story, the Gudley actually, where that dreaming story tracks up the east coast, uh, points us towards all the freshwater waterholes on, you know, because we're on salt, we're saltwater people, we're surrounded, we're a peninsula, we're surrounded by saltwater. Gudley, the Gudley Dreaming, points us to all the fresh water holes and also the places where to get salmon and butterfish at different times of the year. Very important. So can you tell us a little bit about also the idea of cross-generational sharing and the revival of these stories and traditions? Why is it so important to keep that alive? Um, So this project started when I was doing a... Similarly, a, a cultural maintenance project up on Mornington Island, up on Lardle Country, 11 years ago. I had been engaged to work with the Mornington Island dancers, and they'd been commissioned to create the opening ceremony for Ken's Indigenous Art Fair that year. So I was sitting with the old men, under old songmen, under a tree, and we were doing, oh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but we were doing dramaturgy um, session with the old songmen and we were trying to figure out what uh, old song cycle we could use to turn into a theatrical dance and puppetry uh, performance. And so the old songmen, um, because this was a way of engaging uh, youth back into culture through theatre, 
performance, contemporary music, puppetry. Um, and so that was that cultural maintenance project. And when the old men turned to me and said, well, we could do Narambi because, you know, they have uh, two Māori, uh, Tu, which is Rainbow Serpent, and Narambi, which is Dingo. And they went, we have his resting song up here, but that um, the start of that story comes from where your mob are from down south. And so I didn't think anything of it until years later I questioned um, my cousin. We were having a, at a barbecue in Melbourne and I went, oh, this old man up north reckon we got dingo stories. And cousin Eddie, and cousin Eddie said to me, oh, you mean Warragudli? Yeah, we call him Wild Dog, Roaming Dog. So that's how all of this started. And when we looked at um, the stories and the songs, uh, the language that has been maintained, the little, I mean, there's a lot of stories and the language has been revived on Naranga country. But now the job was to turn it into songs and dances and, and cultural practices that we can revive with new generations and take that into 100 years. So that becomes tradition. Similarly, the Mornington Island mob working with Roxanne Thomas, who's one of our featured artists in Wild Dog, she, on top of being a fabulous artist, is also um, responsible for keeping you know, ladle dance alive and trying to engage new generations of youth into ladle dance so that those culture, cultural traditions can stay alive. And so I think, you know, we've got a whole bunch of opportunities now, right? Our generations, my generation, your generation and the ones coming, we've got more opportunities now than we have had. I mean, yeah, fair enough. There's still a lot to do, but there are so many opportunities. You can be a minister in parliament, you can be a doctor, you can be a lawyer, you can fly a plane, you can be an artist, you can be a teacher. We can do all that, but modernity is creeping in really thick and fast. And with that comes, I think, the threat of us losing languages, songs, dances, traditions, cultural practices, ways... Yeah, it's, it's a kind of a, I think, I feel an immense responsibility because I'm a nased a baby too, by the way. I'm a nased a baby from the 90s. I, I studied dance um, back in the 90s at Naisda where we got, you know, education in all the contemporary forms of dance. But back then, <clears throat> the foundation of our study was traditional dance and those old people those old song men and song women that used to teach us drilled it into us. If you you need to protect, your job is to protect your culture, maintain your culture. If you don't have your culture, then there's nothing. If you don't have your story, you don't have your dance. If you don't have your dance, you don't have your song. If you don't have your song, you don't have your paintings. You don't have your craft. You don't have... So I just, I think it's been drilled into me. That's just what I do. <laughs> and that has been woven into this amazing exhibition, Wild Dog. I mean, that's only one part of Wild Dog. For, for people who are not here with us at Tandania today, can you give a bit of an overview as to what Wild Dog is? Yes. So Wild Dog started out as having the beginnings and the ends of a storyline, song line that we knew of, between us mob down here, Ghana, Narunga country, and Ladle and Kaidit mob up north. And the job was... Well, the idea was we were going to go to all those points and go to all those communities and bring us all together for a big ceremony and celebrate our 
our dingo stories, our dingo songs. Then COVID happened and that all shifted. And so now what we have is we've brought my communities of the Ghana and Narunga people together with the Mornington Island communities of the made up of Lardle and Kayadit mobs. And so through that we have um, film, uh, audio visual installations, visual art exhibitions, interactive um, art installations for kids and for bigger kids, <laughs> kids of all ages. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a whole lot of education attached with this. We've worked with Deanne Bullen, who has pulled together one of the most rigorous education resource packs for kids and for teachers and for basically parents, anybody who wants to access it, can go on the Country Arts website and have access to it. There's a hell of a lot of information in there and some really good activities you can do with your kids of, of many different ages. Um, yeah, so the Wild Dog exhibition, and yeah, you're right, this is the first kind of iteration of this project because the dream still is to bring all those communities together. We just had to, we've just got to wait out this bloody pandemic. <laughs> um, there have also been a number of children involved in this project from different schools. Yeah, Tell yeah. us about that. Yeah, so um, when I first started this one, when we put a, a cultural advisory together, we had a whole bunch of elders from different mobs, you know, Naranjeri, Najri, Ghana, Naranga, Adnamatana, da-da-da. We, Uncle Mugi uh, Sumner, uh, when I first approached Uncle about this one, he turned to me and he said, you know you're going to have to go into Asia, don't you? And I said, what for? And he went, well, that's where we get him from. That's, you know, and sure enough, started doing the research and all the research says that our dingo here shares DNA with multiple breeds in Asia. So the pariah dogs in India, the singing dogs in New Guinea and Indonesia, and then the furthest goes into the Formosan mountain dogs and the dogs in southern China. Wow. Mm. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, right? Because we got to southern China. So then it's like, okay, there must be a song line that goes from southern China somewhere else. Who knows? Um, but uh, so, yeah, when I heard that, when I started reading all of that research, I reached out to a colleague of mine, Dr. Byung Isma Hassan, who is um, an artist, a curator and a man uh of the Bunun people. So the Taiwan has 16 indigenous tribes, well, recognised indigenous tribes. Um, and Bunun is one community from Namasha, it's a mountain region in Taiwan. And we'd been talking for years about how we could bring our kids together. And I said, and so I contacted Byung and said, look, my uncle says there's these dog stories that go up your way can you go and ask your elders and he came back and he sent me their story he went yeah 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 we do like within a day he went here it is and i flipped because their story starts out exactly like ours the narunga dreaming there once was a boy cheeky boy who told lies and the cheeky boy gets up to no good and gets turned into the gudley or asu as the bunun people call him 
And so we started talking about, well, here are these stories. Our kids need to learn these stories and learn their culture. How about we take elders and artists into the schools from our, both our communities and we run a cultural exchange? And so they learn stories. They learn land care management. They learn all the cultural um, business that goes along with that dreaming story. And then the artist's job is to help them reinterpret that so that we can offer an artistic outcome and that's what you see in the exhibition as well. We've got Narunga kids who reinterpreted the Narunga dreaming through creating these beautiful light box drawings and then the Bunun kids worked with artists and elders to create um, a, a soft sculpture installation that's all based on um, uh, shadows as well. Wow, amazing. So you consulted with a lot of Narunga and Ghana elders. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the three days in 2021 that you spent with those elders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was, um, a, as we know, there is different law. Um, you know, it depends on how old you are and you get given different versions of, uh, of information. So the one thing that we all agreed on was that this was going to be all the public stories we could tell, which is usually the kids' stories, right? Um, Gunyas don't know that. Um, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> but with that, what we had to do from, you know, for all of us to be following proper protocols and cultural business was that a lot of consultation had to happen and one of those was... Um, down at Stenhouse Bay, we gathered all Narunga elders. There was about 50 or more. And we spent three days. We we did others. They weren't just three days. We did others that were a day, two days. Um, but it was a three-day consultation where we just thrashed it out and, you know, allowed people to get whatever it was off their chest and contribute and question and... You know, because nobody, there's a lot of people know me, but I don't live on country. A lot of people know my family, but they don't know me. I grew up in Melbourne. So I also had to earn the trust of my community back. So to go, well, why are we giving this story to you? And so I had to prove why. Mm. And tell me a bit about the movie that you have on display here, the film. Oh, wow, yes. So the film, this is um, another outcome of COVID. So I have never, actually never um, curated exhibitions before. This is all new ground for me and so is film. Um, and because we had gone to such trouble, been consulting with about over three years, um, 50 elders from the Narunga community, um, to get to a point where we could uh, bring the story, the Gudley uh, dreaming story, to a point that we could share publicly. Um, and so that has turned into a dance and puppetry film. And it's been great. I've been able to work with all of my elders, with all of my family, work with my cousin, Sonia Rankin, who's one of our, you know, who's been working with the language and linguistics and reviving Narunga language now for over a decade. And so I paired her with one of my long-time collaborators, James Henry, who's a Yorta Yorta, Willaray um, artist, Jimmy Little's grandson, and a brilliant musician. There's a lot of people involved in this project, Jacob. How did you go managing that over such a long period of time and all of their different involvements? And the thing is, I, I 
put down this idea and brought my family with me because this is a big family problem. And we've all put down this idea that this is what we want to do and the people that believe in that vision have stayed with us. And that's... When you've got people who... Um, where you share the same values, morals, beliefs and vision, it's not hard to manage then, really. Um, from an artistic perspective, I'm not talking from a producer's... I wouldn't even dare... <laughs> go down that route because God knows that, you know, managing people's pay and accommodation and travel, yeah, no, 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 not my job. <laughs> Cheeky, eh? Should we go out into the gallery and you show me some some works that you can sort of talk us through? Yeah, can do. Let's Let's do it. Might be a bit noisy out there. <laughs> So where are we? So we are in a part of Tandanya, um, the theatre, where we are presenting the Ghana installation called Six Dog Night. So I've been working with senior Ghana elders, Uncle Lewis O'Brien and Annie Lynette Crocker, who, you know, happen to be my blood relations. So, you know, it's been a privilege for me to work with them, not just as an artist, but also as their nephew, uh, to bring Ghana stories and culture to life in this kind of um, audio-visual immersive installation. So what we have here is we've been working with an astronomer, uh, Paul Kerno, who works a lot with Uncle Lou and different uh, Aboriginal elders to educate people around Aboriginal night skies. So what you do when you come in here is you come into this very darkened room and come around the corner. First you'll pass a, a, a rather large um, George French Angus painting that he did back in the mid-1800s of the Ghana, Ghana, our Ghana ancestors sitting on Rapid Bay um, with their dingoes and then you turn into the room where we have a whole bunch of soft sculptures made, dingoes made. So we ask community to uh, donate their old blankets. Because one of the things that Uncle Lou has been telling me the whole time was that one of the things that... Um, one of the relationships that our ancestors had with the Gudley here on Ghana country was they were used as a living blanket among other things and so what we asked community to do was donate their old blankets and then we had Catherine Sproul and Sean O'Brien turn them into big dingoes and so you come and lie down with the dingoes look up at the stars and then we've got because um, there's a big animation of the Ghana night sky and then you listen to Uncle Lewis and Annie Lynette telling you stories about Ghana culture and history and so yeah this all, the, the name Six Dog Night comes from Uncle Lou, where he was like, okay, so to sleep with a Gudley was normal practice, but if it, you were sleeping with six dogs, if it was a six dog night, it was a bloody cold night. Mm, sounds like last night. Yes. Cold. <laughs> I can imagine that last night actually coming in here and snuggling up. Yes. My name is Rex Sangi. I'm a Nyaranga descent of. York Peninsula, specifically uh, at Pine Pest, which is the headquarters of of Narangaki Camp, where uh, Burial Cycle Order Cemetery got all the elders of all uh, people who actually 
is the main clan of Nyawanga and it's a very significant five-day cemetery at Point Pierce, which is located in the centre of York Peninsula. And can you tell us a little bit about how you are involved in this wild dog dreaming story and project? Yes, what the wild dog dreaming has been passed down to to our family, with Puppy Eddie's Ansbury, down to uh, our descendants, and especially the, um, the granddaughters of, of Papa Eddie, mainly uh, Elaine Newchurch, and everybody knows her as Auntie Laney, uh, Pam Sansbury, as known as Pam Sansby, or Auntie Pam Sansby, and Ollie Irene Agus. And they are the three sisters of Papa Eddie's and the end of the story down to his uh, granddaughters and Lane in Utrecht with the Chet Parson down to all of us, and especially the, the Sansby and the warrior clan and, and we all knew about it as she told us and it came about when Eddie Newchurch, which is Laney's son and Lynette Newchurch met Jacob about four years ago in Victoria over our barbecue and, and Jacob started talking about the world of dreaming from the Mornington Island and everything, and Eddie and Lynette, Nini, actually told Jacob about the world of dreaming, the beginning of the lower York Peninsula, in, and it starts from there and it goes right through the country straight to up to um, the Northern Territory, then it goes to Dreaming as one west and east, travelling right through to the Northern Territory, right up to Mornington Island, and the same uh, bloodline of the Wild Dog Dreaming also travelled further to Taiwan from Arsua Island. Uh, in China and the DNA taken from the World of Dreaming is exactly the same DNA in a blood dingo from York Peninsula and there's a connection so if the World of Dreaming belongs to everyone hmm. with the garden mob of the Adelaide Plains Yoranga mob, then it goes through Nantumri country, then it goes through other Matra country, and it goes through right up until to the top into the Northern Territory. And on the location of York Peninsula is what we filmed with the world of dreaming. A, a significant site where we 
produced and made uh, made documentation and done the uh, dancing, uh, uh, and we made it in a contemporary form to present to and educate the people of York Peninsula to the wider community and to other Aboriginal nations that that really belong to us. And it's, it's, it's been a long journey for four years, but it took us two years. Uh, just, and I acted as a, a consultant, Aboriginal traditional consultant, to, uh, to help uh, Jacob to put this package and uh, we had a great professional team. It's just like a, a tin of um, vegetable with all with all the uh, people and another tin of tin fruit. So we put it together uh, with all the all the staff and all our knowledge and experience and it come about to make this wildlife dreaming has been a really good journey going back on the country and filming it and it did a, a beautiful uh, country of uh, York Peninsula and all the filming that was done on fire real and it's true according to the wildlife dreaming and and that's how come we got it here at Tantania and just let and people know what Walgon dreaming and it meant a lot to all of us. It belonged to all of our Aboriginal people in Australia just trying to demonstrate that we are reviving Walgon dreaming story and I really hope that everybody can look at it and share it because we want to share it with everybody who belong to all of us. Just like the Seven Sisters, it's one of our dreams. Mm. Is it awesome to see it here live in, at Pandania? And there's uh, too many Polish-Jack zombies. Just seeing it here, a little bit overwhelmed on it. I'm really proud of it, and it's beautiful. I encourage you both to come and have a look. We can see it till August, the 20th of August. It's open at Tanyanya from 10 o'clock to about 4 o'clock. I encourage you both to come and see what we produce, and you'll, you'll get connected to our story because it's for you and everybody. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Aboriginal Way. Don't forget you can subscribe to the show on any podcasting platform. While you're there, we'd love it if you'd take the time to rate and review. It really helps other people find the show. We'll catch you next time with more stories from across South Australia.
Bye.